and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I'm Grace Berman, a Senior Director with DaVita University. And I'm Doug Miller, a Master Coach and DaVita University faculty member. Today, we get to chat about leading diverse teams with Simone Wheeler, a Regional Operations Director leading 15 dialysis centers and home programs in Orlando, Florida area. And we also get to chat with Julian Gordon, a regional operations director in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome, Simone and Julian. Hey, guys. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to have both of you on the show today to talk about leading diverse teams. You know, diversity and belonging is something that I have a personal passion around, and I can't wait to hear your stories and get some of your tips. So let's start with what is diverse teams? How would you describe diversity? And, and let's start with you, Julian. Yeah, thank, thanks for the question, Doug. I, I feel like we have a, we're really fortunate to have a broad understanding of what diversity is today. You think about race, gender, sexual orientation, and even things like personality type and traits that aren't necessarily visibly observable. And when I think about diverse teams, I think about those traits, but also how teams are interacting with one another. I think it's really important beyond just having, uh, you know, a bunch of different people, diverse people on a team. I think it's important to not only have that, but to also empower uh, one another on the team so that each individual's uniqueness can shine through. What would you add, Simone? I would add for a diverse team, I think of varying members. We look at experience, the skill set, um, age, nationality, religion, really all walks of life. And we have to recognize that we differ from one another and we want to embrace and really lean into those differences. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And and Julian, let's go back to you. Why Why do you think it's important for us to talk about and get good at leading diverse teams at DaVita. Yeah, uh, you know, beyond the simple fact that leaning into diversity is the right thing to do, it's really a, a shared, it's, it's a fact of our shared experience, right? That we are going to interact with and lead people who are different from us. And so if we are serious, if I'm serious as a leader about creating a positive change, creating some good, it's imperative, I feel, for, for us to be able to be confident in our ability to work with others. And Julian, do you think that there's a difference in leading diverse teams versus leading non-diverse teams? Yeah, I mean, honestly, there, there certainly is a difference. I mean, on the surface, it's, you know, from my from my perspective, it's definitely harder leading diverse teams. I mean, as a leader, you have to think about continually checking your blind spots, engaging the entire team so that everybody feels involved. And you also really need to have the confidence and, and understanding that, you don't know everything, and I feel that way myself. I don't know everything about diversity. I'm just an individual who's trying to do my best. Uh, with a non-diverse team, it's, it's a little bit easier because, you know, those blind spots aren't always there because the experiences are, are shared. That's such a good point. And I know the research backs you up there, Julian, in that it can be more difficult to lead a diverse team um, because there are just there can be more opportunity for conflict and misunderstandings. 
And yet diversity produces better results, better creativity, uh, more innovation. That's, that's what the studies are showing. So let's talk about the challenges that um, come with leading diverse teams. Let's just get that out on the table. So Simone, could you share an example of a time when you faced a challenge with leading a diverse team? And what did you learn from that experience? Well, I'll go back to your first question of what is a diverse team. So some of the examples that I gave is, of course, experience, nationality, religion. So we think of language. Mm. We all speak different languages. And as Julian stated, too, the world is changing. It's evolving. Um, we have so many different languages. So that has definitely been a challenge when we look at diversity is acknowledging and embracing, recognizing those differences. But how do you do that if you don't speak a particular language, whether it's Italian, German, Spanish? Um, it, it can be very difficult. And how do you work through that? Mm -hmm. How do you ask the right questions of your team? Yeah, Simone, could you give us like a specific example of that where uh, that, that came up for you as you were trying to lead and and what did you what did you learn from from having to manage that diversity? Well, recognizing that I don't always have the answers. So sometimes it's reaching out and asking for help to say, hey, you know, that might be a blind spot, as we just heard. And how do I get past that? So an example, again, is maybe having someone that speaks a different language and they're trying to communicate with me how do I communicate back to them? So do they understand English, whether it's written? Um, do I need to have a translator? And making them feel included. So it's not their fault because a difference um, is there. It's embracing it, leaning into it and saying, okay, what do we need to do so that we can communicate? And I love embracing those differences. I, I really enjoy that. It makes me a better person. It also brings us um, full circle together. Yeah, it's fascinating, right? Because with such diversity, there can be times where in our efforts to be inclusive, we're actually creating an environment where maybe not everybody feels like they belong. Like the act we do to make someone feel like they belong can make someone else feel like they don't belong. And, uh, and so it can get, it can get, have a level of complexity to it. That's, that is, that makes it challenging. How, how have the two of you dealt with that? Um, I will just answer very quickly. I know if you have an example of two teammates where you may have a particular language being spoken. And let's say I'm the FA or I could be the ROD in that situation or other teammates. And you don't realize by speaking your, um, your language, whatever you gravitate toward, it can cause conflict with your other teammates. So because I don't understand if you're speaking another language, you've excluded me um, and you don't even realize you've done that. So you have to identify that and go to that individual that recognize that, you know, that is their language and that's okay. But how can you include the rest of the team to, to bring it um, front of mind and to be aware of it? Julian, has anything, uh, anything come to mind for you there in terms of how you create belonging for everyone in this context? 
Yeah, you know, I, for me, I, the thing that always comes through, and, and Simone really hit the nail on the head, you know, underpinning what we're talking about is a sense of authenticity and vulnerability. And so for me, in every in every single interaction I have, whether it's somebody that I think is like me, you know, based on what they look like or somebody who I know is different, I always work to engage and to, to show who my true self is, but also empower them to also feel comfortable enough to to engage me in that same authentic manner for themselves. Yeah. And as both of you are leaders of color uh, and also Simone, you have the intersectionality of being a woman and a person of color. I'm present to the fact that as we're talking about diverse teams, that you inherently, you both inherently bring diversity to your teams. So what are some of the unique challenges that you've experienced in being part of teams and leading teams who, who look like you or don't look like you? Um, let's start with you, Simone. Well, it's, it's very interesting because we all we may not try to, but we assume, we make assumptions. So an example would be, I was part of a non-diverse leadership team with varying levels. So you have executives, financial officers, et cetera. And it became very difficult to speak to that particular team in that setting, knowing that I was a minor, I was a minority, um, a female and Everyone around the table did not look like me. So that in itself created kind of that friction and inner turmoil for myself and trying to think through, all right, how do I display or how do I communicate to this group at this round table differences that are within the teams that I'm leading? So being in the clinics, very diverse um, doctors from all different walks of life. They have different um, things, customs that they uh, observe. So how do we communicate and we recognize those differences? How do I bring that back to the table? And honestly, it was really, really difficult. You know, how do I recognize that diversity in my team, yet there's no diversity at the table in leadership? Um, what we did find is that we had to bring in an outside party because as I spoke to the CEO, there was truly a disconnect because, again, looking across the table at me could not really understand what the problem was. And that's what we hear many times. What's the problem? You know, everything is fine. But I was able to push back and say, no, everything is not OK. You know, we're not embracing the the differences with our with our team. And that's a problem. I'm not comfortable with it. It didn't sit well with me. So we did, as I said, had an outside agency come in to specifically train on diversity and different cultures and how to relate to those differences and how to identify and make that individual feel included and not lose themselves being authentic. Mm. And I know the story, Simone, was was before your time here at Davida, and certainly, you know, we were not perfect here either. Um, and 
I'm curious. So you you mentioned that you were the only uh, person who added diversity on your leadership team, and the term being the only. I know uh, a lot of folks who are marg- uh, considered marginalized people have felt that in their lives, especially in their professional careers. So I'm curious, like what what did you learn from the experience uh, in that situation where you did feel like the only? It's um, it, it's lonely, and it's also you want to be silent. And that's what we find a lot is silence allows you to blend in. It allows you to sit at the table, but you're not being your authentic self. You're actually hiding who you really are. And potentially, you're hindering others for to speak up. So again, you can make assumptions when you look across the table, and you think, okay, there's no challenges, everything is fine. So I realized as I went through my career, even today where I am, is that you can't be silent. You have to speak up and you have to be able to say, there's a problem. This isn't right. Um, And it can be very uncomfortable, but you have to be strong. You have to not be afraid to speak up and speak out. Thank you so much for sharing that, Simone. It's really powerful and important to hear. Um, I'll acknowledge even for me as a white man to hear that and really let that in is so important um, in how many assumptions um, I've made in my life and really just appreciate hearing that and the impact of it. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, it inspires me to learn and grow more. So, um, so thank you. And Julian, is there, what, what would you add? Do you have a story that you could share with us around this? Yeah, I do. And I, and I have to say that Simone's story resonates really, really deeply with me. And actually it takes me back to a time when I was, you know, kind of early in my career, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, later I, I was, uh, you know, at a point in my career where I was the second in command on my team, um, and I remember we had got together uh, after a meeting and the principal, the leader of that team, made a comment that was really seemingly innocuous on its surface, but actually quite offensive when you think about it or you put the statements that were made uh, under any type of scrutiny. And I remember sitting there it, both in the room and, and then subsequently you know, thinking through what I had just experienced and talking with friends and family about it and coming to a point where it's like, what do I do? Um, what what should I do? And, 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 you know, the story about what Simone just mentioned about silence is something that resonates with me because at that point in time in my career, I didn't have the confidence to say something to that individual about what was said and how it made me feel as a member of, of that team. And, you know, it's what, you know, this is a story that is, it was challenging for me then. And I think back and I'm like, gee, I really wish I had taken a different course, but it was a seminal moment for me in that I gained a really deep sense of how I wanted to show up for my teams and lead my teams in an effort to give them that confidence uh, when they're interacting with me or interacting with each other to really let their uh, let their feelings shine through, and to let them feel empowered to be their authentic 
themselves. Um, and so that, you know, that's that's something that that happens. And it's something that I think will probably continue to happen in general because this is a work in progress. I think that's a great point, Julian, that a lot of times and I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone who's felt this way. Uh, and as as a woman and, and, a, and um, a person of color myself, I have always tried to downplay my differences for for fear that that uh, would make me an outsider. And so trying to downplay that so that I could fit in doesn't doesn't feel great. Yeah. <laughs> it may feel like that's what I have to do. And I totally get what you're saying. It is hard to speak up and mm. highlight your differences when you feel that difference. And I, I do hear that leaders, and they have good intent, and others have good intent, right, who are in uh, sort of that majority setting and, and feeling like an insider. They have good intent. They just don't recognize a different perspective. And I hear people say, who have never been an other or an only in a team or in a room um, uh, say that they've they've treat everybody the same, right? So people who have never been in that situation say they treat everyone the same. They treat everyone equally. They don't see differences like race and gender. They say they're colorblind. So therefore they don't, they think of everybody as human beings, not as, as black or white or brown or what have you. And um, why do you think that that can come off as dismissive or lacking empathy? You know, what, what could leaders do or say instead of saying those words? Yeah, it, it is such a thought-provoking and, and good question, Grace. You know, the thought process behind saying things like, I don't see race or gender uh, in the spirit of fairness is kind of oriented in the right direction, right? Like the spirit there is correct. But ultimately, I, you know, I feel I think many, many people know that it's it's misguided because the reality is that we are all unique. Grace, you're unique. Simone is unique. Doug is unique. We're all unique. And to say things like I don't see fill in the blank characteristic is to say that I don't see a part of who you are. It's kind of like denying somebody a piece of what makes them special. And so for leaders, and I, and I think about this for myself, it's really important to, to figure out how to get towards more equity, meaning you may treat people differently, but it's based dependent on need to get them to where they need to be. Um, and I think it's important for leaders to have a really intimate understanding of what equity looks like on their teams, because we are all different. The things that make us special and unique also means that we have special and unique, unique needs. And so while it's not easy for leaders to do this, I, you know, it is requisite in the way that I do it. And I encourage others to do is just to be open and inquisitive and, and, and learning in, in the spirit of learning about what, how they can help build that equity on their teams. And Grace, can I add something real quick? Yeah. You said about hiding and it triggered something in my memory bank. Um, when you don't recognize and you say you don't see color, because I can acknowledge that I was one of those individuals that said, I don't see color because that's the way that I was raised. But I realized I was actually hiding so by saying you don't see color, 
you're actually not acknowledging your heritage or who you are because you're trying to blend in. And for a very long time, I didn't realize because on the surface, if you look at me or you look at you, Grace, you may not see someone of color. So what does that even mean? So again, you're, you're, you're hiding and you don't realize because you start shrinking, you start blending and you're not acknowledging who you are, maybe where you came from, um, your culture, and being able to speak about it. Let's talk and find out what are the cool things that you bring to the table. So I, I really feel like you end up hiding when you use that um, term. Couldn't agree more. And uh, it was a uh, incredible moment the first time I heard a person of color say, when you say you don't see color, what I hear is that you don't actually want to see me. And it was like, whoa, that like, no, that couldn't be further. I want to see you in your wholeness and your fullness and um, left a big, big impact. So thanks for that. How about, um, how about Simone, if you could tell us about a specific time when you felt you led diverse teams well and really leaned in to the opportunities and benefits of diversity? Well, I'm happy to say it is definitely here at DeVita. Um, one of the things or, or cultures and customs that we do here that I absolutely love is the About Me slide. I can share with all of you that this is the first time, first organization that I've personally worked at that I acknowledge my mom and dad, you know, my brothers, um, being able to have that on a slide to say, this is me, you know, and I'm proud of it. Yeah. Here's who I am. Um, we have fun. We do things as a team here, and it makes it easier to lead, especially when I can acknowledge who I am, then I'm embracing my team. I'm I'm telling them, hey, tell me about you. What can we do together? I'm learning in things that I don't know. I'm not afraid to ask and being respectful of those differences, the uniqueness, and really Again, acknowledging that the differences, it's okay. So we're not hiding. We're saying, hey, tell me what's going on about you. And I really want to know who you are. Mm. At DeVita, um, Simone, we one way we ask people uh, to lead diversity and belonging is to build diverse teams and ally with marginal, marginalized voices. I think About Me slides are certainly a way that we can help people feel heard and, and find ways to ally with them um, so that everyone feels like they belong. And and also, at the same time, it can be f hard to find opportunities to ally, and it can be hard to speak up uh, potentially against a majority group or the mainstream uh, when when you're trying to stand up and stand with uh, someone else who might be marginalized. So, Julian, I just want to pivot the question a little bit to you. Can you share a time of when you have advocated for diversity and used your leadership role to be an ally? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, right before uh, I joined the village, I was fortunate enough to uh, work in as the co-president of, of my my MBA program. And it's funny because in the same way that we talk about diversity today, we were having those same conversations back then. And one of the things that I recognized along with my co-president was that we really wanted to create some positive impact, but also realized that there was a significant 
gap in gender representation within within our program. And so, you know, we recognize this problem. We saw an opportunity for, for allyship, but we had a problem. I'm a man and my co-president was also a man. And so we went back and forth a lot about how, what is the best way to create some value? And ultimately we found that value by asking for help, asking for our peers, asking for other leaders who had more nuanced perspectives uh, and, and more uh, expert refined perspectives and, and women of course, um, to join us in a working group. And that group did some really cool things, but I think what's really important about the story is that I learned a lot simply by being confident enough to say, I recognize this challenge and, and I need your help and I need the help of the people around me. And so even if you're not a member of an underrepresented group, you can still create value and it may be uncomfortable, but that is okay because I think when the spirit is there, you can make a lot of positive change. Wow, so many uh, really important points being made, really appreciated. And I can't believe how fast the time's flown, but it is time for us to bring our episode to a close. And uh, we ask at the end of each episode for one practical tip that our teammates uh, could use uh, and go out in their in their lives and try. So can you give us a, a tip around how to lead teams more effectively, diverse teams? Yeah, I will start. I would say lean into your vulnerability and practically speaking in your next homeroom, talk about why diversity is important to you. I would say don't be afraid to ask if you don't know, you know, possibly the next time that you hold yourself back because you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to offend someone. I really challenge you to lean into that conversation express your intent and they'll know that you're really being sincere and you're trying to learn and just remember to stay open and to listen. Mm. Really great tips. Thank you both for being on our show today, Julian and Simone. Always a pleasure to talk with you and work with you. Uh, thank you for everything you do for our village. Thank you. Thank you. That was such an insightful discussion with Julian and Simone. I mm -hmm. love their tips at the end to lean into vulnerability and to ask if you don't know. Completely agree, Doug. And speaking of tips, it is my turn to follow up on the tip from our last episode with Val Leiter on staying true to yourself while being an adaptive leader. And her tip was to check your authenticity and adaptiveness by getting two different perspectives. Now, this I haven't heard before, Doug, so I really loved this. Uh, get a tip, one from inside your trust circle and one from outside your trust circle or just outside your trust circle. I applied her tip. Um, such and a great tip. Let me, <laughs> it's such a great tip. And let me tell you, I received truly valuable feedback. Having those two types um, is really I think so, so informative. And it was an eye-opener for me to hear that my intent did not create the impact I had hoped, uh, particularly with the person who was outside of my trust circle and didn't give me that benefit of the doubt because they knew me really well. And um, I thought I was being true to myself, being my authentic style to innovate, to drive change, and then also um, being an adaptive leader to lead transformation. And then I got feedback 
from someone outside my trust circle that my words and my body language, uh, they landed as defensive and, and close to change, which was like way different than what I had actually wanted to convey. And it really stung. It, it really stung. And yet it was such a good check because I needed to hear that. And I needed to better align my intent with my impact. And I started intentionally um, changing the way I showed up so that I could be my authentic self uh, to innovate, to drive change and be adaptive. Such a great example, Grace, of this concept we share at the beginning of some of our programs to stretch outside of your comfort zone into mm -hmm. your learning zone. And it sounds like it was juicy and you got a lot of uh, a lot to work with there. So that's awesome. And uh, for our listeners, we would love to hear your stories and tips as well. We would love for you to go over and check out those show notes and click on the listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. And if you haven't yet subscribed, I can't believe anyone hasn't yet subscribed, <laughs> but if you haven't, click on that subscribe button so that you do not miss any more episodes. And if you enjoy these podcasts, I'll just uh, tell you to do another action, which is to go over to iTunes, rate us, and click um, on our survey link in our show notes and let us know how we're doing. See you all next month, one for all. And all for one.